0: Turn, um, let's turn to the book of Second Timothy tonight. Book of Second Timothy, chapter number three. Second Timothy, chapter number three. We'll read one verse there, and I hope I can get this through. Um one of my favorite things to study in the Bible is the Bible. <clears throat> and uh I have two central things that I really enjoy studying on and that one of one being the Bible and the history of Bible, the Bible and um then another thing being simply the um the church. I'm thankful to be able to study about those two things. Amen, and uh, I'm just thankful to be able to preach the Bible tonight, the real Bible, the real Bible, amen, the Word of God, King James Bible. So let's try to preach tonight, Second Timothy chapter number 3, um, don't get so um, out of the ordinary tonight, we're still in the house of God, worship the Lord, right? And, um, and so I know we're small in crowd tonight, smaller than we normally are. But that's going to be okay. Second Timothy chapter number three, verse fifteen. The Bible says, "And that from a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus." It didn't say through. It didn't say through prayer. It didn't say, but it said through faith, believing that Christ did what He did, believing that Christ can do what He'll do, and all because He said it. Amen. And so I'm thankful we got the faith in the holy Scriptures. And I'm thankful this Bible is able to make one wise unto salvation. It's all about this blessed book amen. And I'm thankful Jesus said it, um, well, in the book of Psalms it was said that he he exalteth his word higher than he does his own self. Uh, his name, excuse me his name higher than his own higher, higher than himself and and there's a lot of things this 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 Bible is all about him, isn't it? That's all about him. It's God's word. and so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. you can be seated. Thank you for standing. Dear Heavenly Father, we need your help tonight. Lord, I need your help tonight. Lord, I know without you, Lord, we're nothing. And I thank you, Lord, for the Bible. I thank you, Lord, for the blessed hope. I thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord, that cleanses us from all sins. Lord, your word says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. I pray, God, tonight you take this word, Lord, and you use it to apply it to our hearts, Lord. And maybe it would help us, Lord, in our future study in the book of Revelation, Lord, that you'd give us enlightenment, Lord, that we could um, just grow thereby. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. I pray, God, you'd help me to preach. I cannot do it without you, Lord. I pray for the Spirit of God in this place tonight. We need it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. How many people have you met that simply state the first thing that they state is we're Baptist or we're Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever else they may be? Doesn't it seem like that's the first thing that people say to you? You knock on a door and the first thing they'll say is I was Catholic or I'm this or that or so on. But nobody says I'm saved. Um, Most of the time that's not what people say. And and I read a story and thought about a story. And there was a story that said uh, it was about three churches that were in one little town. One church was a Baptist church. One church was a Presbyterian church. And one church was a Methodist church. They were all struggling to keep their doors open, and uh, they finally decided that the only way that they could survive was to merge. That's a big mistake to begin with, but they said, we're just going to merge together, and we'll see how this goes. And finally, after all the discussion together, they decided, instead of naming it a Baptist church, or a Methodist church, or a Presbyterian church, or any of those denominations, rather they were going to name that church a Christian church. And one man stood up and he said, I was born Baptist, I grew up Baptist, and I've never been anything but Baptist, and no one is going to make a Christian out of me. And the big thing about it is, is we get so caught up in our faith, we get so caught up in our denomination that we forget about our faith. Oftentimes, that's how things expire, and um, there's a lot of things that expire in this life, and we understand that to be very clearly. But uh, there's there's some stats there's some stats of things that went by, and Barna Group makes up some stats, and the Barna Group you can read that on online. The Barna Group makes up some stats, and um, he found that two thirds of all Adults, 62%, believe that it does not matter what religious faith you follow because all faiths teach similar lessons about life. That's not true, but that's how most people look at it. It's not okay to go to the church down the road, amen. It's not okay because they're not right. And I'm not talking about just specifically the church down the road from our church, but I'm just talking about a general sense. It's not okay. It matters greatly what a person believes. As well as why a person believes what they believe, Amen. And uh, to to have faith, to have uh, to have faith in faith or belief in belief is is not sufficient when it comes to the eternal matter of things. And we must understand those things when it comes to life. We must understand, and I've said it before, is the reason why most people don't witness to Jehovah's Witnesses is because they don't know what they believe. And that's a shame. And that's a, that's a nothing but a shame in this day and this hour. It is not enough to know what you believe. It's very important to know why you believe what you believe. It's very important to know that. First Peter Chapter 3, verse 15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So be ready. Amen? You ought to be ready to do it. Ladies, you ought to be ready, and men, you ought to be ready to do it. Um, And so, in Bible college, they call this, uh, um, you know, a lot of times it's looked at bibliology. And that's okay. That's a good term for it. That's a good term for it. But it's also called apologetics. Apologetics. And uh, the, 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 that's an English word and it means to give a defense of your faith. Yeah. And so we are to be able to defend the scripture and what we believe with the Word of God. we are to, we are to defend that in every way and, and there's reasons why we believe in the Bible. There's reason. There's, there's the Bible is the what and the reason is there's there's whys to why we believe in the Bible and I'm thankful tonight for my Bible, amen. Um, but but there, I'm thankful for my Bible. They say that, 82% of Americans believe that the Bible is the literal, inspired Word of God. Then why does the nation not prove that? That, that, that seems like a very, very um, um, unethical amount of people, uh, in my opinion. They say 51% have never even read the Bible. Well, something ain't adding up. Some ain't adding up. And so, and they say of the 33 percent that claim to read the Bible monthly, half could not name the four gospels. It's a shame. Can you name the four gospels tonight? Uh, and so, so there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of surveys that go about. And, and they say that born again Christians and showed they were there was born again Christians were asked, people who said they were born again were asked questions about it, and they said 18%, so two out of every ten read the Bible every day. Yet 23%, which is one in four, say that they have never read the Bible. So so um, the fact is is that, that Americans um, Americans respect the Bible, but they don't read the Bible. So, uh, in a lot of cases, and, and they don't read it. And because, and because of that, the whole nation becomes completely illiterate to the things of God. I wouldn't dare say that there's people in this church, maybe not tonight, but there's people in this church that don't read their Bible. And so why do we, as Baptists, independent Baptists, why do we believe the Bible to be God's word to man? Why do we believe that? And this is proven to be a serious dividing factor between the liberal crowd and the conservative crowds within the own denomination that we have. Baptist, right? There's the Southern Baptist, the Free Will Baptist, and all the Baptists. And there's there's a conservative crowd and there is a liberal crowd to it. You go in the towns around here and you'll find plenty of liberals. Let me just say, I, I was called to be a Bible preacher before I was called to be a Baptist preacher. Amen. I was called to be a Bible preacher. not, not I was called to be a Baptist preacher too, but I was called to be a Bible preacher first. And I'm not a Bible preacher who preaches Baptist doctrine, but I am a Baptist preacher who preaches Bible doctrine. Amen. Amen, friend. I'm going to preach to you tonight on... I'm thankful for my Bible. I'm thankful for my Bible. Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, I'm thankful for my Bible... Because of its inspiration. I'm thankful for my Bible because of its inspiration. Charles A. Hodge stated uh, that the best evidence that the Bible is the inspired Word of God is to be found within its covers. It proves itself. And amen, I say amen to that. Uh, If the Bible is not God's Word, uh, then it's no different than any other book that we have on our bookshelves at home. Uh, But however, we believe that the Bible is inspired. It's inspired. And there's two reasons why I believe it is. Number one, I believe that it's inspired because the movement of God rests upon it. The movement of God rests upon it. Timothy said here, uh, or Paul said rather to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, and for for instruction in for correction and for instruction in righteousness. And so the word inspiration is the Greek word theophanos, or something along those lines, and it literally means God breathed. We've said that before, and I understand that, and it's a word from the Hebrew language, and its root is taken from Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 2, where it says, And the Spirit of God moved upon the water. And so the Hebrew word for moved and the Greek word for inspiration, they come from the same root. And so the book we hold in our lap and the book that I hold my hand tonight, uh, friend, is the breath of God. It is the very breath of God Himself. God blew uh, His... God blew out His nose and out His mouth and and God blew out of His nose and parted the Red Sea. Read it. God God blew His breath to create the words of this Scripture that we hold in our hand. And so the Bible is inspired because it's the only book that God ever wrote. Amen. It's the only book that God ever wrote. God exhaled and He blew uh, His breath and the Bible came into existence. You believe that tonight? All of it must be true because God cannot lie. God cannot lie in any way. God authored it. He inspired it. He breathed upon it. It is the final authority for faith and practice. Amen. Amen. It's the final authority. If the Bible is not your final authority, it will become your one day fatal authority. Because it wins. Amen. We believe the Bible. We believe the Bible. I'm thankful for the Bible. We believe in its inspiration. And I'm thankful for its inspiration. And we see it through the movement of God upon it. And then another thing, we we see it and we 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 believe that it's inspired because the mes- messengers uh, of God within it. Now, there's a lot of things that we can see. God authored His Word, right? He used men to write His Word. He, he don't 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 be don't be. Um, Missed uh, or put into belief uh, um, that these 40 different men who penned the Bible um, took it upon themselves to do so because they didn't. They didn't. They were moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Moved, and so they wrote down what he said to write down. And you could say that man was the pencil, but the breath of God was the hand. And the man were the vehicle, but the breath of God was the motor to the vehicle. Amen. The men were the match, but the breath of God was the fire. You see how all those things I just mentioned can't be moved without the other. Amen. Second Peter chapter one verse twenty says, "Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures is of any private interpretation; for the prophecy came not in the old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost." God pronounced His word in heaven. And he he allowed his men to pen his word on earth. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing. He used forty different men, only one of which was not a Jew, to pen sixty-six books, eleven hundred eighty-nine chapters, thirty-one thousand three hundred and I've done lost that count. Seventy three verses, something along those lines. Seventy two verses. There's a lot that come in that. Amen. There's a lot that come in that. It's it's infallible, it's inerrant, and it's incorruptible. Amen. It, it can't be moved. And so we, I'm thankful for my Bible because of its inspiration tonight. Second, I want you to know I'm thankful for my Bible because of its revelation. Thankful for my Bible because of its revelation. Um, l- let me look over here at a verse and read it to you if I could. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. It's just a few pages over. Hebrews chapter 1. Everybody alright? Bible says in verse 1, God who at sun times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto in the fathers by the prophets, in these last days spoken unto us by His Son, whom he, th- whom he hath appointed, heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his son- person and up- upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It describes to us, it depicts to us the revelation of God's word to man. How God brought his word to us. And I'm amazed by that. And so so I want you to notice the first revelation of the Bible. We read in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 1, who by God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the father by the prophets. Right? And so, the word spake there in the Greek term shows us that this is the highest form of speech that one could ever use. I know we're going a different route and I'm not, not just preaching, preaching tonight. But the word sundry and diverse basically mean the same thing. And it speaks of something done in different and various, various many ways. God spoke first at different times and at different stages. You notice that? Throughout Scripture, that's what God did. He did it through the prophets. And as, as 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 people like Elijah and Moses and Joshua, and all of them spake. It was a revelation of God straight to man. In the pages of the Old Testament, he spoke by dreams and he spoke by visions, and he spoke by direct voice, and by signs, and in different ways to different men, such as Abraham and Job, Jacob, and Moses and Elijah and Isaiah. And he spoke to them in different ways, but nonetheless, the revelation of his uh, of this of this Bible that was the first times it says. Who in sundry times, many different ways the Lord spoke through His prophets. That's telling us that's what the Lord did there. And then the final, then there's the, so the first revelation of the Bible, and then there's the final revelation of the Bible. The final revelation of the Bible, God spake at different times. He spake in different places and by different ways to men in the Old Testament. And then verse two of Hebrews chapter one tells us, That in these last days spoken unto us by the Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so the word spoken is better said, did speak. He did speak. It describes a final, it describes a full revelation. And in John 1.1, 1, 1, Jesus is described as the Word. Is that right? Amen. The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with Him. And so the Greek word there in the word, Word, is Logos. It's Logos. And it is described as a spoken word. And so, so in other words, it's the Lord Jesus Christ, Right? That God has spoken for for the final time. And and, and when the last chapter was completed, God summed it up uh, in one word. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for Jesus, aren't you tonight? I'm thankful for the word. And I know that wasn't the last word, but I'm just telling you, it's amen. But the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen. When God said Jesus, there was nothing more to say. Amen. Because when He said Jesus, there's nothing left to say. Amen. The idea here is not that the Word is what Jesus said, but the Word is who Jesus is. Jesus is the Word of God. And every time you open and every time you read your Bible, you're reading about Jesus. Amen. I don't care if you're in Genesis or Revelation. You're reading about Jesus. The Bible's not a book of history, but it's a book of history. Amen. That's what one writer said. Amen. It's His story. It's all about Him. Amen. It's all about Him. It's all about Him. He is seen uh, in every book. He's seen in every page. He's seen in every type. Uh, He's seen in every word. It's all about Him tonight. And I'm thankful for the Word of God because of its revelation. Thirdly, I'm thankful for the Word of God because of its preservation. I'm thankful for the Word of God because of its preservation. As a Bible-believing Baptist, we believe that the Bible is to preserve the Word of God. Amen. Amen. The King James Bible, we believe that it is the preserved word of God. And I'm not going to emphasize on any particular translation tonight or any along those lines, but I am going to stick with the particularly the preservation of God's word tonight. If you have the real thing and you know what the real thing is like, you will not you will be easy to spot counterfeits. Amen. And so, so I want you to notice, number one, that there's trials that have been endured to preserve this word. There's trials that have been endured to preserve the word. The Bible is a book that has endured great trials. When I was in Scotland, I got to see many things that many I got to see four people who were burned at the stake, not people, but their places. Where they were burned at the stake for the very Word of God. That's how the Catholic Church always thanked people. But it's been through much persecution down through the ages. This Bible stood the course, friend. It stood the course all down through the ages. This Bible has stood the course. Not the other Bibles. But you know what they were standing on? The King James Bible, right? There was nobody ever got killed for any other Bible. But the King James Bible, they got killed for. Amen. I'm just telling you, it's real. It's a real book. And it's God's Word and it's Jesus Christ. The the Hebrew manuscripts were translated into Greek language and what we know is the Septuagint in 200 B.C. 200 B.C. and Jerome then translated the manuscripts into the Vulgate uh, which contained 80 books including uh, the Apocrypha and was, uh, was accepted by the Western Church until or by 900 A.D. And then, uh, the Bible was then translated to over 500 languages uh, by 400 A.D., and the only acceptable language by 600 A.D. was Latin, uh, which led Wycliffe uh, to um, um, translate it into Middle English uh, in 1384. Uh, And then William Tyndale is known as the father of our English-speaking Bible, and he acquired the uh, help of uh, Erasmus uh, Erasmus, uh, in the publication of the Greek Latin Testament in the year 1516 and in the year 1516 from the Greek from the work of Erasmus came the intolerant with the Catholic Church by Martin Luther and this is not who you think it is but by Martin Luther and then almost a hundred years later in 1611 King James the first approved Tyndale's translation and it became known as the King James Version the authorized version for the English speaking word, English speaking people. And uh, I'm not going to go through much history, but that's just what I what I can tell you right now. But all I will say is this. I will say this. I was able to go to the place where King James the 6th was born. And King James the 6th, by the way, is the one who not translated, but the one who wrote out or the one who went through all the fire for the Scriptures. And personally, I believe that the King James Version of the Bible is the only preserved Word of God. Governments have tried to destroy it. Rulers have tried to take it out. Philosophies have tried to stamp it out, but it stood the test of time. Amen. Amen. Thankful for my Bible tonight, I'm thankful for my Bible. It is the eternal and preserved Word of God. The Bible says, "Forever, O Lord, thy words is settled in heaven. It's settled in heaven." Psalms one nineteen eighty nine. Forever, O oh oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Jesus declared in himself in Matthew 24, in verse 35, he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Amen. 1 Peter 1.23, it says, describes the incorruptible word which liveth and abideth forever. It liveth and abideth forever. Amen. I love. I love it all. Jeremiah chapter number 36, you've heard me talk about this. God commanded Jeremiah to write his messages in a scroll so that it would be preserved for future generations. And a man by the name of Barak became Jeremiah's assistant there. We know in Jeremiah chapter 36 you can read it all. And he goes to the temple to read what had been written. And the king became so infuriated that he took a penknife and cut it and then cast it into the fire to be burned. I'm sure the king thought that he had destroyed the word of God. Don't you think so? But anyone who thinks he can silence God with a knife and with fire has a very high opinion of himself and a very low opinion of God because he can't. Amen. God places Jeremiah and Barak into, uh, into a, a program, if you will. I don't know whatever way to put it. tells Jeremiah to take again another stroll and, scroll and roll and write it in all the former words that were in the first roll. And there were added besides unto them many like words. And then there they are. God preserved them again. It's just how God works, friend. God gave him enough information information, and enough inspiration to continue them on, preservation to continue them on. And I'm thankful for it. But I tell you something, friend, there's been trials that have been endured. But I'm thankful for my word, amen. Thankful for the word. Thomas Watson said, we know the scriptures to be the word of God because of its miraculous preservation. The devil and his agents have been blowing at scripture light, but could never blow it out, which is a clear sign it was lighted from heaven. Amen. There's been, sure enough, a lot of fire against the word of God. And I want you to notice the truths that have been embraced by the word of God. The psalmist declared in Psalms 19, verse 7 through 10, that this word, the Bible, is God's eternal And preserved word. It's eternal and it's preserved. Verse 7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Isn't that a good first start? It's perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, the Bible says, making wise the simple making wise the simple therefore before god is the author of because god is the author of it the bible is free from all error cuz he's perfect contradictions don't have to worry about those just have to contextually break down the scriptures flaws you'll not have to worry about a single one god is perfect in anything he does is perfect any book he writes is going to be perfect. Then not only is it perfect. But then it says in verse number 8 it says the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes. It's proper. When you say it's not perfect. It's only not, it's not only perfect, but it's proper. It's the, Bible's do not, the Bible does not offer suggestions to men, but rather it proclaims uh, the precepts uh, and laws which are standards for people of all times. Uh, and I don't care who a person is. If they don't line up with this book, they're not right with God. Amen. I don't care. And today, I mean, I do care, but I'm just saying that it doesn't, this book is our final authority. The Bible is absolute truth. It's inspired by God. It's flawless. It's perfect. And it's without error. And that is why we refer to it. That's how we, we say an inerrancy. It's inerrant. It's inerrant. It's scripture. It's error free. Someone had once said... The chaos of relativity is dismissed in the light of God's law. Simply telling us a person may deny it, but that does not dismiss it. A person may deny it, that doesn't make it imperfect. It's still the final authority. A person may not be able to confess it, but they'll also not be able to change it. Because it's still going to be the exact same. It's the final authority. A person may not be able to accept it, but they'll never be able to abandon it either. It's God's perfect Word. amen. It's God's perfect Word. Then we read in verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous. It's enduring forever. It's not only perfect and proper, but it's permanent. It's permanent. It's it's absolutely pure, perfect, and permanent, and powerful, and all the other things that you want to put in there. Uh, We do not believe that the Bible contains God's Word. We believe that it is God's Word. I believe it all. I'm convinced that the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God. Amen. Amen. I'm not going to throw this Bible away for other translations. This is the Word of God. This is the Word of God. I'm thankful for the Word of God tonight simply because of its. Simply because of what we've got from this tonight just in the simple fact that it has been preserved, amen. I'm thankful for the preservation of God's Word, aren't you? I'm thankful for the preservation and the revelation of God's Word, and I'm thankful for the inspiration of God's Word. And lastly, I'll bring to you, and I'll be done tonight. I'm thankful for my Bible because... Of its application. So, the most amazing thing to me in this book is about this Bible was penned thousands of years ago. But it's still fully applicable today in the 21st century. Amen. It's still fully applicable today Still today, every answer to every question. It still has every solution to every problem. It still has every final word to every uncertain thing. The Word of God, the blessed Bible, is still true. God's Word talks about people in history that come on down the road. I'm thankful for the Word of God this morning. The Bible is applicable as we read in our text. And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. It's applicable for salvation. First Peter 1 Peter 1.23 declares that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. It lives and it abides forever. The Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, Our faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In other words, no one is saved apart from this blessed book. Amen, friend. It's, 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 an, it's absolutely the instrument that God uses to carry out salvation. This is the instrument that God uses. The Spirit of God brings conviction. A hundred percent, he sure does. But he uses the word of God to bring conversion. Amen, amen. It may have been through the means of a of a, of, a, of a sermon, testimony, whatever it may be. If you're saved, it's because you heard the truths of God's word. Amen, amen, friend. And you responded to those truths. By faith. Through the grace of God and by faith, you're responding to the truths in repentance and faith. Amen. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for the Word of God because of its application in salvation. I'm thankful for the Word of God for its application in sanctification. Now, the Bible says back here in 1 Timothy chapter, number, I mean 2 Timothy. 3 and verse 16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect thoroughly furnished unto all good works the word profitable there is the Greek word I can't pronounce a philamos. Or something along those lines, a philomos, and it speaks of that which is procuring and producing a right outcome. And so, so there are four things for which the scriptures are profitable. It tells us, yeah. doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Right? Those four things that the word of God is profitable for, according to that verse. And and, and so. H.A. Ironside describes these four things. And this is what he says. He says, Doctrine is what is right. Reproof, what is wrong. Construction, I mean correction, how to make right that which is wrong. Instruction in righteousness, how to keep right that which is right. So that's easy. That's easy stuff. And if you to, I'm just thankful For the word of God tonight. Amen. The Bible is profitable because God uses his word to make us the Christian who he wants us to be. Amen. Amen. He uses it to wash us. He uses it to warn us. To purify us, to prepare us, to cleanse us, to conform us, and to save us, and to sanctify us, and make us just like Him, Amen. Make us just like Him. I promise you that this book is the only thing you'll ever need in this life. This Bible, is the only thing you'll need in this life, Amen. I just wish I could preach this tonight, but I feel like we're going right along with the Lord how He wants. I'm thankful for the Bible and for its application because simply it. It's applicable for me for salvation. It's applicable for me in sanctification. And it's applicable for me for satisfaction. Now Job says in Job 23 that I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He said I, I, I liked it more. I like it a whole lot more than that. And David declared in Psalms 119, 103, How sweet are thy words unto my tastes. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, 127, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. Amen. What were they meaning by those things? What were they meaning by that? They were saying that nothing satisfied them like the Word of God satisfied them. Many in our day have become satisfied with uh, with artificial sweeteners. Amen. Something that's not real. uh, Some substitute for the real thing. uh, And they've tried to become satisfied with that. And because they do not want to take time to dig into this blessed book, they want something dumbed down. Right? They want something dumbed down. And there are other Christians who are looking for something more to their Christian lives. Many are be- leave- believe the lie of the enemy, that they are second-rate Christians if they do not possess certain gifts, or they do not have this, or, or they are they're, they're not seeing certain signs in life, and they are looking to go deeper with God. Uh, but I tell you something, there is nothing any deeper uh, than this blessed Word of God. Amen. There's nothing deeper than this Word of God. Uh, If you'll plant your roots in this Word, uh, and you'll grow firmly in it, uh, I promise you, you will be satisfied with the outcome. Amen. I want to give you three ways to study the Bible. Three ways to study the Bible and be satisfied with it. Number one, I want you to learn the Bible systematically. Don't just flip your Bible open, close your eyes, and say, I'm just going to read where my finger lands. Right? That's not something that's just so great, I promise you. If you do that, that's fine, whatever. But there are many excellent Bible reading guides which will help you to read the Bible in order, even real order. It's not laid out exactly in order in a systematic fashion. I, I, I just, I'm just thankful for the Word of God tonight. Amen. Learn the Bible systematically. it help you to avoid the pitfall of taking the Bible out of context. And this will enable you to grow and to put your roots down and grow in that truth. Amen. Learn the Bible systematically. Learn the Bible no, love the Bible sincerely. Love the Bible sincerely. If you do not have a, you hearing me tonight? If you do not have a regular devotion in the Bible, ask God to create a love in your heart for the Bible. And if you do not, if you do have a regular time of devotion in the Bible, ask God to deepen your love for His Word. Amen. And when you love the word sincerely, you will open up your heart and you'll open up your mind and allow God to speak to you through his word. That's what we need to do. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 6 Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Learn the Bible systematically, love the Bible sincerely. And then live the Bible seriously. Once you learn the Word and you love the Word, I promise you, you will begin to live the Word. Amen. Apply it to your life. If God says don't do this, then I just suggest to you don't do it. Amen. If God says to pray, I'd suggest to you, you better, better get to praying. If God says to forgive, you ought to forgive. If God says to win souls, and blessed is the man that does, I'd say win souls, and blessed is the man that does. Amen. If God says to tithe, we need to tithe. If God says to give to missions, we need to give to missions. I believe that's the downfall in our ages today, is that people aren't getting from the Bible what they're getting out, what they're getting, what they're putting in the Bible. You with me? They're not getting out of the Bible what they're thinking they're putting in the Bible. They're putting in their own doctrines. They're putting in their own way of thinking and their own way of believing. This Bible's been perfect since the beginning. You'll never change it. It's going to be right when everything else goes wrong. It's going to stand when everything else falls. And I'm thankful for my Bible. Mary said she told the servants at the wedding feast in Canaan John chapter 2 verse 5 that she said whatsoever he saith unto you do it. Whatsoever he saith unto you do it. Don't just be a hearer of the word but be a doer of the word. A hearer literally means to audit; It means to witness. Man I don't want to be on the outside do you? Be right on the inside. Amen. It describes a speculator rather than a participator. And that's what it is. Be a doer of the word. In other words, what you hear, you do it. You know that? That's how it works. That's how it works. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, This man shall be blessed in his deed. So if you're a hearer, and you're keeping the law of liberty, which is Scripture, if you're keeping all of those things, and you're living by them, you're hearing them, and you're doing them, then you shall be blessed in your deeds. That's God's way of saying things. God is giving you a guarantee of blessing. Is it true? It's according to Scripture. If you'll learn His Word systematically, love His Word sincerely, and then live His Word seriously, God will bless your life. He will bless your life a hundred percent. And so I'm thankful for my Bible tonight. Thank you for listening to me tonight. You can stand to your feet. Thankful for my Bible, Lord. We thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the blessed hope. We thank you for the blood, the three main things, Lord, that we can hang on to aside from the resurrection and death and burial of Christ, Lord. And, uh, Lord, I'm thankful, God, that you've given us the time to be able to come to the house of God tonight. Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm so thankful for my Bible. Lord, I don't study it enough. I don't read it enough as I should, Lord, but I'm thankful for my Bible Lord always blessed truths I find in my Bible well, I'm thankful for the answers to this life that come out of the Bible Lord I ask you God to just please help us to go along and carry this Bible and hold it high Lord in a day Lord of wickedness Lord a day of despair Lord when others are compromising and others are conforming to this world help us Lord to be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of the mind Lord, that we would live by this Bible, that we would love this Bible, Lord. Lord, and we'd learn this Bible. Lord, that we'd hide it in our hearts, that we'd hold it. Lord, that we'd put it in our homes. Lord, and we'd herald it loud. Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us every day to do those things. Lord, we'd heed the words. We'd hear the words. We'd heed the words. We'd hide the word. We'd home the word. Lord, we'd herald the word. Lord, help us in this day to please do that with this word. Thankful, Lord, that forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Lord, I'm thankful it's settled in my heart. And I ask you, dear God, in the name of Jesus, to please, Lord, help us as we go along our way. We'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.